This is The Lore Check. Hello, other people, and thank you for joining us for episode six of The Lore Check. I'm your host, Brandon Michael Terry, and with me as always is my co-host, Devin, not in your wildest fantasies, Boyd. Maybe not in your wildest fantasies, but in the more tamer ones, I'll see you there. That's nice, Devin. That's kind of sweet. I like to I like to keep everyone happy, if I can. Good. Well, make us happy today and tell us, what can we expect from today's episode? So today's episode, we're going to be delving in, what is fantasy RPG? Like, what is it? Seriously. We don't know. We're asking you, what is it? We're going to hopefully figure that out as we go, but you know, we're kind of starting off not knowing exactly what we're doing. But, as always, let's go to story time first. And so, Devin, can you share with us an example of a role-playing session, storyline, that kind of embody the fantasy genre? As best you can tell, because we don't know what it is yet. There I was. Our party was surrounded. We had made a poor decision by antagonizing those who held the fort. When diplomatic relations went south, we knew combat was the only way we were going to get inside. So I did it. Hopping atop my Edelon's back, I extended my hand, and as the symbol burned ever brighter between the Edelon and I, strengthening our relationship with one another, I cast a spell on him. He grew to be twice the size of his normal self. Shortly after that, I tore open a rift in time and space. Mystical beast flung from it, fighting at my whim. Spells were being cast. Acid was flying, scorching rays. And soon enough, we had even blown open a hole through the castle. We entered in not knowing what was awaiting us in the doors that lied at the other end of the hallway. But we knew one thing was for certain. That was fantasy. <laughs> so I assume that's from your most, one of your most recent current campaigns yeah and the uh aside from playing starfinder i'm in another group that's uh playing a pathfinder that they've ad- adapted it into their own little homebrew world and uh that was the most recent campaign we actually played or yeah yeah it was the most recent one we just did fun and these are kind of just ways to kind of wet your wet your whistle wet your palate whatever the, the term is what do you think it is Devin? the only term that comes to mind probably wouldn't be suitable for this podcast that's terrible, Devin. Either way, we're going to uh, entice you a little bit to enjoy what we're about to say. And we are about to ask is, what is fantasy? Because over the next like, five or so weeks or so, we'll figure out the number. We're going to be going over a series on the genres of role-playing games. Because typically, uh, role-playing games kind of fit into certain genres. Probably the biggest, most popular of those is going to be the fantasy genre. Would you, would you say that's probably accurate, Devin? I would say definitely, especially with Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder being as widespread and well-known mm-hmm. as they are. Fantasy is definitely one of the bigger ones, but you also have other genres like horror, mm-hmm. you have sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yep, and all that. And we're going to talk about all of them. Next couple weeks, we'll do sci-fi, space fantasy, we'll do horror. Really looking forward to that episode. Kind of digging into the Call of is probably a huge one of there. But these genres just kind of help instantly like, get the mindset of the game. If you know what to expect, it allows you to kind of enjoy what's about to happen. Because if you think you're playing a nice, cool, fancy game, and the GM's going to play a horror game, and you don't know the difference for some reason, you might not have as much fun or might be able to enjoy what the elements the GM include. So we want to help you, give you tools. So first and foremost, let's ask the question we've been saying over and over again. Devin, what is fantasy genre? I believe what separates a fantasy genre from any other genre out there, honestly, I think it's magic. Okay. It's being able to bend the world around you, manipulate it, um control it, however you want to describe that, by using this foreign element, to us at least, mm-hmm. known as magic. I think that that is really what helps define it. Um, and that extends past spellcasting and 
uh, creating potions and stuff like that. But I think it also goes into the type of beasts that mm-hmm. exist. You know, we don't have dragons. We don't have pixies. Uh, we don't have anything like that. I refuse that. to accept either of that statement. Well, I mean, maybe maybe the dragons are somewhere. Have you seen Reign of Fire? I have Bale, Matthew McConaughey. No, I have not. So for the listeners, highly recommend it. It's a, it's a very, very good movie. But yeah, they believe dragons have been extinct and one day coal miners unearthed them from the ground. And mm. now this movie that was about a parish priest has now become this fantasy movie about how are you going to survive dragons destroying the world. Mm, dragons, great. It's fun. Yeah, I think you have a good point there. People could try and put fantasy in the box and make it all about, you know, medieval times, the Iron Age, and all that. Like, people living in villages and coal mine or not coal miners, blacksmiths, completely different job. Blacksmiths and archers and bakers and all that stuff. And while a lot of fantasies do include the medieval setting, I think most, most fantasy settings have a kind of general old-timey feel. It is possible to have a fantasy genre in modern times. And there's a whole genre now called urban fantasy based on that. And what they do bring with them typically are those more magical elements. And really, I would say it's not even just magic, it's the rules of reality are different. That might just be kind of more what kind of fantasy is about, is that how they do magic might be different from one place to another, because you have spells and hermetic magic from places like D&D and all that, or Fullmetal Alchemist. And their fantasy is alchemy and super science and all that. Whole other things. But whatever it is, it's the rules of reality are completely different. But they still have the same kind of type of human beings. Yeah, I think even in the, uh, even to further explore that, um, yeah. while in the most recent series, uh, to come on Netflix, or no, the movie Bright with Will yeah. Smith mm-hmm. in it, uh, it's very much an urban fantasy. Yeah. They take just our modern day era, but they plug in orcs and centaurs and fairies and, uh, elves and stuff mm-hmm. like that and magic exists in that world but it's such a very rare thing mm-hmm. to see that it's it's almost a unique twist because in a lot of these games magic is everywhere like to imagine a world with lesser magic would be almost very difficult at yeah. least within that world setting yeah there's kieran that's one setting i know that's low magic but high fantasy but it's still a very rare thing to have so then what is because i've never heard of that game mm-hmm. could you go into like it's not a game it's a setting oh i'm sorry yeah. but in the setting, what is a low magic, high fantasy? Because my definition mm-hmm. of fantasy basically tied fantasy yeah. to magic. So how do you have lower magic but a higher so fantasy? So magic still exists. There's still wizards. There's still magical weapons. But it's the population number is much smaller. Whereas in something like Pathfinder, like Galarian, or Faerun, it's like one out of every hundred people have access to magical powers. In these worlds, one out of every 10,000 have magical powers. Because there's less access, there's less training, so they don't get as strong. So Having a plus one weapon in Pathfinder, it's nice, but it's not like a <gasps> groundbreaking thing. In settings like Kieran, having a plus one weapon is, oh crap, this person is well made in the shade. <laughs> because of how rare magic is. And that's kind of how this is, because magic is still a huge part of the world, but it's so much rarer, it's so much harder to get access to. So I still think it's part of fantasy, magic is supposed to be the rules of reality to be different. And probably another part of fantasy is the idea of virtue and how it plays out. Because you have the two co- two side coin of fantasy. You have the high fantasy, which is big, big good versus big evil, clear distinction. And then you have dark fantasy, which is kind of a blending of those two, where it's kind of a grayer lines of what's good, what's evil. Good doesn't always win in the end. But there's still always that kind of presence of moral issues and moral struggle. So that's why a lot of these you have the concept of chivalry. There are very few fantasy worlds you have where 
some kind of chivalry or knightly order or knightly concepts are really thrown out. Yeah, even in uh, even in Pathfinder, the Pathfinder Society itself, while they mostly hunt down relics and all, like there is an overarching good mm-hmm. that they are looking to yeah. accomplish with. Yeah, they, they have that, and, and even in weird, weird, darker fantasy settings like <clears throat> Shadowrun has some fantasy elements to it. You still have some people like the Red Samurai or people who are the Shadowrunners that have this like. Code of chivalry in some way. That's part of fantasy is this, these moral questions. And that's actually what I move into where what is about the, the fantasy genre that's just so human, so part of us? Why humans just love reading, watching, or playing fantasies? What are some topics you, or what are some points you think, Devin? Why do humans love fantasy? Well, I think like we talked about quite a few episodes ago, there's that one loss. Yeah. Uh, the yearning for adventure, mm-hmm. uh, being in this unexplored world. I don't, for, for me personally, um, talking with my friends, we always would talk about, oh, what it would have been like to have lived, you know, back before the world was fully explored, to be mm. able to discover these new things. Yeah. And I guess now you could do that with the ocean or outer space, but it seems a lot less feasible for us to be able to do that. But in a fantasy setting, you can do that. You're exploring this world that you've never experienced for it. You may be finding a new continent or a, a hidden city or just anything like yep. that. Or just new magical realities to the world, magical truths and all that. There's a lot more hidden in fantasy things, a lot more to be discovered. So it's kind of like that pure adventure, pure rise. I think there's also something fun, too, just about the fact that you can play a variety of different races, Mm. right? Like, even in Shadowrun, it takes place in the future. You can still play a class that's not human. Yep. You know, like, one of my favorite characters to play is a half-orc, in my Mm. opinion, because... We don't have half-orcs in Shadowrun. That's very true. But in like a D&D setting yeah. or in a Pathfinder setting, yeah. to play as a half-orc, you get the benefits of being a human, uh, which are typically, you know, just stat boosts and stuff. Yeah. But you get the racial benefits of being an orc. But even when it comes to role-playing, typically a half-orc, while an orc culture tends to look to them with admiration, the rest of the world looks down on them because of what they represent. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to try and balance that when you're playing. I think there are cleaner distinctions inside throughout these role-playing worlds. There are either racial ones, like elves versus dwarves, they have this weird rivalry slash like hatred slash kind of companionship with each other. Or it's just your level one society, your merchant class, your peasant class. And it kind of helps, and while it sounds weird, it kind of makes it easy to understand like what's going on in the genre. Kind of also understand like, what is my place inside society? People want to know like, where do I fit in? And you know like, well, if you're a blacksmith, you fit in here. You don't have to go your entire life as a person who just doesn't know how they're going to fit in society, given your spot. You read through books. The main character, you know their spot. It kind of helps make it seem fun. But what makes it fun about when you read in those fantasy books, yeah. the main character may have their spot in society, but more often than not, they break away yeah. from it. When you're creating your character's backstory, mm-hmm. you did something, typically, you did something before you became an adventurer and joined the party to go and seek out X, Y, and Z. And I think that that, that helps kind of spark creativity. Yeah, I think the ability to rise above your station in life is good. So you know where you're going, but then that person, even when they rise above, they kind of fit into a new niche, either, either as hero or legend or leader or something like that. And you kind of have that still, that understanding of, like, they fit somewhere else, but they decided where they They weren't told where they fit, which is still nice. Yeah, it's always fun to be able to create a character that can break the mold. Even the stereotypical, you know, adventure hero, to be able to instead be an anti-hero, where you're mm-hmm. still fighting for the good, but you're not necessarily a role model of yeah. virtue. Yeah, I think that's all part of fantasy. Fantasy, as I mentioned before, has a lot of the simple embodiment of good versus evil. That a lot of times, for the most part, there's some dark fantasy twists. A lot of times you know, this paladin over here, good. This red dragon over there, bad. The necromancer, bad. And you see the battle between good and evil. Because we all live in a world where good stuff and bad stuff is always happening. We get confused. We get overwhelmed by bad always winning. And a lot of times in high fantasies and stuff we really enjoy, 
We love the fact that in the end, good is going to triumph for evil. There's something inside of us that loves that ending. Even if we like bad endings, they still have to accept. I still like when good overcomes evil. But I just want that in this world. It's the whole dynamic uh, between a comedy or a tragedy, mm. like the old plays that were written by Shakespeare and other Grecian poets. While tragedies can sometimes still be enjoyable to read, it always, at the very end, kind of leaves you feeling sad. If anyone saw the most recent Avengers movie, I'm not going to go into it to avoid spoilers, but if you saw Infinity War, you know that the way that ended, you didn't really feel that great. You may have sympathized with the villain, who I would argue may have been the protagonist of the movie, in my opinion. Not everyone's. Well, well, yeah, not Evan. (laughs) But there's still that somber feeling at the end of, like, this was a great story, but wow. I wish it would have ended somewhat different. Which I think that's part of why it's part two. Is why we have part two for this fantasy superhero thing is people want to know. In the end, I want to see the good guys have won. In Star Wars, the end of episode four, the end of episode five, the good has not won yet. They're still beaten down by Vader. They lost people they cared about. Both in the four and five, someone they cared about is dead or trapped in a bunch of rock. <laughs> whatever, carbonite, carbonite, carbonite yeah. yeah. But the end of episode six, you find a conclusion where the hero finally triumphs. You wait for it. That's part of what we want. Fantasy is kind of that purest expression of it. It also kind of embodies vices and virtues. Because, you know, the paladin has the virtue of loyalty, of honor, of integrity. The necromancer embodies the vice of greed, of power hunger, of corruption. And it kind of makes things easier to understand. So you can explore those elements of life. That are kind of difficult to explore in real life. Because our world is not as clean cut. But that's why we can be thankful to have... RPG games, yeah. because that connects the fantasy world to the gaming world and yeah. allows us to experience that. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So there's is, there is a classic connection between RPGs and fantasy, as we said. So why is it? What do we kind of, where does that connection come across? Why do we love playing fantasy games? Not just reading, but playing the game. When I was a child, I used to love to read stories of, of knights, um, some of my father's old comic books that he had in a plastic bag in the garage. I would get to sift through them, and I just enjoyed seeing, like you were saying, that constant fight between good and evil, watching this hero evolve over time, and at the end, always defeat him, watching Power Rangers as a kid. Even though they destroyed half the city, they were able to stop Rita Repulsa's monster and Lord Zed, and they saved the day. Devin, there was never any collateral damage in Power Rangers. (laughs) The giant robot and the giant monster always fought in a one empty spot of the city that always seems to exist. And no no actual citizens were harmed during the making of the film. Yeah, it's surprising. I don't know how it happens, but that's how Power Rangers works, Devin. Do not question Power Rangers. But yeah, there is that. As kids, we love these stories, these knights, dragons. Probably first one of the reasons we mentioned about the purity of it, the adventure and all that. But eventually, when the story was over, you put it down, and the story was over. By playing fantasy games, you can embody it. And the story can live on, be brought back to life, and you can experience it. Because at some point, while I love reading fantasy novels, eventually I want to be that ranger. I want my own experience. I want to be part of this world. So that's, that's good. We need to bring that back. We also, at times, get to bring up classic moral struggles. And here's a point where Dev and I might have some disagreements. <laughs> of I, for a lot of times, love the alignment system when it comes to fantasy. D&D and Pathfinder, I love the alignment system. Devin... I think the only thing the alignment system really helps with is spells, because if you are going to be casting a Cure Wounds or Holy Smite or something like that, then any creature that is anti-good, basically aligned evil, Mm -hmm. would take damage from that. Outside of actually ruling how spells are cast, I, in my opinion, I think it limits the character. It kind of puts a little cookie cutter mold around them. that over time, yeah, they can break it, but then they have to be placed in a brand new mold. It says what they are. 
I think without the alignment system, it allows much more flexibility. It makes it, it makes it more real. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if I had to put myself in an alignment system, I would say I'm bouncing between chaotic good and neutral good. But then I just contradicted myself because in an alignment system, I don't get that option. I can't put myself in both of those. I have to be one or the mm-hmm. other. So that's why I don't care for it very much. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Like, I like the fact that it does, I get, I like your point, that doesn't limit the abilities to spread out. But at the very least, for new players, to try to figure this out. I think for fantasy games, it makes sense. But I'm still committed that fantasy is about that clear-cut distinction a lot of times between what's good and evil. When it comes to dark fantasy, good doesn't always win. Good sometimes has to be corrupted in order to be evil. But you still start off with this stuff of good versus evil. There's clear-cut distinctions. And having a line system helps you kind of choose where you're going to fall in this battle. And I think that's a very that's a very fair point to make that, especially for first-time players, it helped me out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first monk I played, I was lawful neutral. And I had to learn how do I write my order's code? Mm-hmm. How do I abide by that? And that really did kind of help orient me around the world that I was mm-hmm. playing in. And so at the very least, if you're, if you're more experienced players, you've figured it out for a while, I'm fine with throwing your, your alignment system. Even the Starfinder game that I'm currently jamming, I don't usually hold people to alignment that often. What I do hold you to is that you do stay consistent with your idea of moral ethics. If one day you're like, well, I'm a hero, I'm going to kill this hobo because I'm bored, it doesn't make sense. You, you've lost all fantasy element where you can just basically become instantly evil whenever you feel like it. You lose this clear and utter distinction of this good versus evil struggle. That kind of defines a lot of fantasy world. And so if you're going to drop the alignment system for your fantasy games, at least force the players to tell you, well, what is your morality like? Where do you stand? Do you want to be a good person? Do you want to be evil? Do you just not care at all where you are? And I think that the character I'm playing right now with your campaign kind of embodies that to some extent. Mm-hmm. Because within the first number of sessions, you know, my character cares about protecting all life, cares about ending slavery. Uh, given that Sarek was an android and androids were once enslaved mm-hmm. to humans. Yeah. Backstory. So when they had the chance to let that bug return back to the hive mind, Sarek fought to let that bug return. When they had a chance to uh, rescue that earth elemental, Sarek fought to rescue the earth elemental. But because of some recent changes that's going on in Sarek's mentality, Sarek also recently, you could argue, murdered someone who surrendered during a fight. And Sarek just coup de grace him and cut his head off. And that's fine if there's an explanation. Because, like I said, as a GM, I knew why that was happening. The other players saw it happen, and it felt weird but natural. Because it wasn't just you were bored, you made that decision. They could tell your character stopped, something weird happened to him, that he did it. So there's something going on there. Like, you have to explain the struggle on. Otherwise, you will lose when he's in fantasy, and you're just playing a bunch of murder hobos. Let's say, at the very least, what, why we love fantasy games is we can live out those classic struggles. In horror-based games, in sci-fi or gothic-based games, not always as big a struggle. Cyberpunk games, it's almost not even a struggle at all of morality. You're just trying to survive. And I would say it's very similar for horror games as well. Yeah. You're yeah. trying to just, you're just survive. survive. So if you play a Cthulhu session, you want to solve the mystery. But overall, you're trying to not die. Yeah, so morality is not a big problem. But in fantasy games, there's so much bigger stuff in line than your personal life and death. So hold on to it. But I also say another thing that we love why we step into these role-playing fancy games is we just get to step into a different world where the rules of society, the rules of life, the experiences are different than ours. They resemble our history in some way because even Devin's like, I wish we could live in a time where all this stuff happened. And there are still times when I'm sitting down playing and I'm thinking to myself, it would be awesome to live in this sci-fi star front, like uh, yeah. watching uh, Will Wheaton's Firefly. Yep, Firefly. Mm-hmm. Like every time I sit down and watch that with someone, especially if they've never seen it before, mm-hmm. 
I'm just so captivated by it, and I'm thinking to myself, if only I could live there. Yeah, which Western slash Space Western would be a great genre to hit later on. Yes, please. There is that, like, I would love to live in this setting. And they kind of resemble our world, because they have that same history as ours, but they're completely different. And the different rules of reality, how society works, how race relationships work, how magic works different, but still can question good and good evil are there. So the reason my fantasy is enjoyable is you can half-step across that line. I can stay planted in my world, things I'm familiar with, but I can also move into the new world. That's what we love playing in. And ultimately, I think fantasy is just one of the base forms of reality, or base forms of imagination. We love all of that. I would like to stop you right there and yeah. say, I wish fantasy was one of the base forms of reality. Yes, I wish it was. It's one of the base forms of imagination, I think. And when we play these games, it sparks our creativity. It sparks us a desire to think about new things. Even we roleplay as it. But I think we're running out of time now for going deeper into this genre topic. So let's wrap things up. Um, we might go deeper into fantasy stuff when we go into some special episodes. I know personally I'd love to talk about some of the best fantasy settings out there. Kind of listing them at top 10 countdown. <laughs> be great. I think that'd be very fun. But next time we're going to transition into sci-fi. And kind of bridging the gap, we'll use space fantasy as a bridge between standard fantasy and sci-fi. Because there is this weird middle genre of space fantasy. And I think we might be able to argue, was Star Wars a space fantasy or space sci-fi? It was space fantasy. Oh, okay, so we agree then. Yep, knights, knights, magicians, all that. It's definitely space fantasy. (laughs) Either way, by by the time we get this thing going, we're going to have some time to kind of hear some genre ideas for you guys. Probably going to cover space fantasy and sci-fi. We'll cover horror, as you said. We might even get to this western versus space western kind of thing. Space cowboys are great. Cowboy Bebop was a wonderful show. It was a great show. If you guys have any suggestions, once again, our email address is thelordcheck at gmail.com. Feel free to email us any genre you'd like to see us cover. Or any top ten ideas you think we should do about fantasies. Best knights, best monks, all that stuff. We'd be glad to oblige and kind of work with our, our listeners here. But I think that's about it for today. Devin, closing words of wisdom. I wish I could claim these words of wisdom for myself, but I'm going to adapt them from the wonderful Freddie Mercury. Okay. Don't forget the real life and get caught up in the fantasy. Otherwise you'll end up in a landslide with no way to escape reality. Mm, deep. Thank you, Freddie Mercury. You're welcome. See you next time on The Lord Check. <laughs>